This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore humanity. We're all exploring what it means to be human these days and redefining our place in this world and maybe even the universe. With this podcast, you and I will take that journey together. We'll look at how those genres and movies, books, video games, and television explore our human condition using my experience as a podcaster since 2005 to guide us to the talented artists in front and behind the scenes. It's Trek Tuesday where we feature new and vintage interviews. There's a lot of great sources of news on Star Trek and the internet. One of the best is Star Trek Daily News. Yes, they have a news story daily, plus a video and audio podcast. They recently spoke to Anthony Rapp, including me too. I speak to the managing editor T. Rick Jones on Star Trek, his amazing site, and his career as a theater stage manager. Today we have T. Rick Jones, and he is the managing editor for Daily Star Trek News, a great source of news uh, from uh, on Star Trek. And him and his team, they literally work very hard to give you the latest. He is also a contributing writer for the world's most famous consulting detective, Sherlock Holmes magazine, and uh, which is which is a favorite of mine as well. So. Good stuff. Great to have you on. Thanks so much. I'm gl- glad to be here. For people who don't know, they literally have a team putting together news, as I mentioned. How does the process actually work for the, for that? I guess stories come from all over. Yeah. You know, we all search the internet for, for whatever the latest Star Trek story is. I have a Google alert, several different terms to get stories into our inbox. Um, and I know some of the other team do as well. So we do that. I also have been trying um, since I took over. I've been doing this about eight months now, I guess. I also try to do as much breaking news as I can. So I'm always on the hunt for being one, trying to be one of the first ones to to do a story instead of um, a lot of what we do is we aggregate news. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll look at Trek Movie or Collider or some of those other oh, yeah. outlets and um, summarize that and then send send people to to the original story. I've been trying to actually get some um, some exclusives and try to get sort of be on the cusp of that. Got myself invited to um, a press roundtable for Prodigy at New York Comic Con. Oh, nice, um, nice. So I was, you know, and a lot of people were at that press roundtable. It wasn't just Daily Star Trek News. You know, we were on the cusp of that. And I attended, I had a press pass to New York Comic Con. So I attended um, the the panels and wrote them up um, live. So I'm that trying time. to do a lot more of that. Try to try to be a little bit more on the, on the leading edge of the news. So, you know, it's not an easy process, but... Uh, no. You know, I, I want to, you know, try to make Daily Star Trek news um, something that people will go to first. So mm-hmm. I got to ask you this, because uh, obviously sometimes you get a lot of different kinds of news coming in. And as the editor, you might have to shoot down somebody's story because, hey, I got this and this is more important kind of thing. How does that process work? Are you on, on a group call or do you kind of look at all the stories and make the judgment yourself? We have a Discord server. So I have, I basically have three people on staff. I have Marina Kravchuk, who basically just puts together the events um, and sends them to David Powell, who writes them up. 
David Powers is one of our writers. He and I were hired around the same time for Daily Star Trek News. And then after I came on board, uh, Chris Peterson, who had been writing the news for some time um, for Daily Star Trek News, he decided he needed to leave. So I brought on Thaddeus Tuffensamer. And I'm hoping I'm saying his name, his last name correctly. Uh, so he and David are the writers. Um, and then I write some things as well. So everybody pitches things. Marina is really great because even though she doesn't write the news, she's on the cusp of all the new news that's happening. So often we'll go into Discord and she'll have left like two or three posts of like breaking Star Trek news. Mm. So uh, that's really helpful. And the rest of us do that, too. We all we all sort of pitch in. And then um, I let uh, Thad and uh, David sort of tell me what they want to write for the day. You know, we do probably two to three articles a day, you know, and some weeks there's more news than others. And we publish five days a week, Monday through Friday. We'll all pitch things. And a lot of times I'll just say, that sounds great. Do that. But there are times when I'll be like, this is a more important story. You know, we'll, yeah. have, we'll have three or four stories up and somebody will want to do one thing and I'll say, no, we, we need to switch you to this other thing because I think this is more important. We generally get to everything, but because we have a limited amount of stories um, per week, uh, you know, I, I have to decide what's more important for a Monday story and what can be left till Friday. Is Allison Pitt still involved with uh, with Daily Star Trek News? So Allison um, created Daily Star Trek News, and originally it was just her. Uh, and then she hired Chris Peterson, and she hired Marina, um, and and a couple of other people um, who are no longer with, the, um, with Daily Star Trek News. So about l- last May... She decided she wanted to move on and and didn't want to be involved in daily Star Trek news anymore. She just was, you know, it wasn't hitting her the um, the same way. Yeah. She was, you know, it's a it's a lot of work. So she, sure. it was time to sort of move on, um, and invited me. I'd been writing for about a year. Oh, great! Uh, hit trivia and history, and then I'd been helping the website behind the scenes. And so she said to me you know how to do this stuff. Would you like to be involved? Would you like to be the managing editor? And I said, sure. So Allison, she left. She's no longer part of the day-to-day, but she does handle the bills. So (laughs) (laughs) so I don't have to worry about any of that. So so we have, I'm sure you know, we have hosting bills and, you know. Sure, I know all about that. (laughs) uh, To run a podcast and a website. Yeah. So she she takes care of that. Is there if I ever have any questions or or anything? You know, still once in a while I've been doing this for eight months, but still once in a while there's a thing that I'm like, haven't seen that happen before. Has this ever happened to you? And I just use her experience a little bit. Oh, there you go. That's great. So yeah, so she's very helpful and always willing to answer a question, but she's she's no longer involved in the day to day, you know, running of the of the podcast and website. Very, very cool though. It, it's nice to have her as a resource, obviously. So that's yeah. really, really, really cool. Before we talk a little bit more about your background, I do want to cover what's happening in Star Trek news. And um, I was like most of us, I was totally taken aback on the untimely passing of Ann Worshing, who was the board queen, of course. Yeah. And I actually had just binge with my wife 
she played an amazing character on on Bosch as well. Uh, she, yeah, she was beautiful, sexy, smart, tough. I mean, she embodied a lot of different. It was a really fun part for her, and she did it for a few seasons. Uh, so I was very shocked to hear that we lost her to cancer. Um, yeah, what what? How did it? It hit me hard. I'm sure it hit you hard too. Yeah, I mean, it was a surprise. Uh, yeah. I don't. I, to my knowledge, no, they had not announced that she had cancer. No, she not at all. In 2020. So nobody knew. And suddenly, except I'm sure, you know, her family knew. But, yeah. um, but I mean, nothing really prepares you for that. And uh, and then so, and she was on the Borg Queen. She kept acting after she was diagnosed. Uh, the Borg Queen was on um, Star Trek Picard Season 2. Annie mm-hmm. Worship played, played her. Um, and the Borg Queen has been played by... A number of different people yeah um, um but annie Worshing was the latest and um who knew nobody knew it was it was really quite a surprise um and david powell is our obituary writer oh. um uh he 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 said once in the discord uh ages ago he actually really likes writing the obituaries so we send them all to him so oftentimes when somebody dies and that was a big one uh, sometimes it's not quite quite as as big. Not somebody who was quite as had such a career, or you know, whatever whatever story he's working on, um, he puts on the back burner and then and then jumps on the obituary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then, you can actually see it on the uh, the Trek Daily News, um, uh, Daily Chart Trek News on the website. There's a nice story that he yeah. wrote, you know, about her and her career and. Uh, yeah. Kind of taking a, a look back at, you know, just look, there's been a lot of pictures of her, um, you know, on that I've looked at recently just, to, you know, to kind of see. And it looked like a time she was wearing a wig, too. So she yeah. might have been going, she was probably going through chemo at the same time she was, you know, between performances. And, you know, she she was on Bosch, but she could actually not be in every episode, although there was an arc. So they they've obviously worked around her condition and right. the board queen. Um, they something very clever the way they kind of had her in Allison uh, Pills head. <laughs> and uh, this way, she didn't also have to be there every single day. Either. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw pictures of her on her Instagram when she was shooting it. And she yeah. seemed to have had a really nice time and just really had a, a, a really positive attitude. And I'm sure even at the end. So um, yeah, that's a Star Trek is a family. When we lose somebody, it hits because people get attached to these actors. And uh, and she certainly, uh, you know, struck a chord with so many of us. Yeah. Yeah, she really did. She was she was great. And she was in so many great projects. She was in uh, she was a voice in the first The Last of Us video game, um, which which I played and loved. Yeah. she was in. She was in an episode of Star Trek Enterprise too. She was. She was yes. Was daughter in the Oasis. Is that the name of the episode? I forget. You know, but, I'm not sure. I, I'd have to look that one up. <laughs> but she, um, yeah. So, so she, she was in a lot of stuff. So, to have two Star Trek series under her belt is pretty yeah. good. And so. totally different characters. Totally different. Showed really how versatile she was. So, yeah. Uh, Certainly, hopefully, there's condolences to the family and, uh, yeah. and as they try to move on uh, as 
people do when they lose somebody to cancer. And of course, I was just at a funeral for somebody for or really more of a celebration of her life for cancer. So, yeah, my, uh, you know, I lost my aunt to cancer 35 years ago yesterday. Wow. Yeah, it's it's it is to me the disease to eradicate. I would love to see it in my lifetime. Absolutely. Because, uh, it yeah. just it just breaks families apart. And it's just really awful, uh, you know, how that how that goes. Yeah, so we can be very um very discreet how we talk about this because I I kind of got into a little bit of trouble with uh, with Paramount Plus about mentioning uh, on Twitter, which is I had to delete uh, about uh, Todd Stashwick being the captain of the uh, intrepid the intrepid the uh, Titan A, yeah, which uh-huh. looks phenomenal by the way. So yeah, I'm cool. I'm going to be very careful, but I will say that I thoroughly I've seen the first six episodes and I thoroughly enjoyed it. They, there is an OMG moment. I can say that. And we will see some really, at least one good return of a character. You didn't expect to return in this. And that's going to be cool. Um, What I liked and, uh, and I think you'll see this as you see more of it, the next generation crew, the way that they, um, that they are used is very, it's it's very much in keeping with the story, and it starts off right off the bat. That's one of the things I discussed with Michael Dorn about. It's like, you know, I always had a problem when they brought Worf back for the Next Generation movies. And it's like, you know, when, even in Insurrection, Picard goes, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah, he said he didn't appreciate the way they used him after the first uh, movie. I yeah. mean, the first movie, they, you know, it made sense. But then insurrection and, you know, it was just like, right. and, and, and also nemesis. It's like, why? Well, I, I thought he was uh, with the Klingon empire. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It was, it was very, I've always thought it was very strange. Yeah. And, and um, you know, when you and I talked uh, for daily Star Trek news, you said one of the problems that uh, Star Trek seems to keep getting into is continuity. That's their oh, big, yeah. biggest flaws. And that is a huge continuity thing with me i keep trying to use my head cannon to figure out you know <laughs> wh- why is war fun the enterprise now <laughs> yeah 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 i um so what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far i mean obviously uh, we have to be very coy about what we're talking about here sure um it's uh you know i've seen the first episode so far and it's terrific um there's a yeah. great sense of humor that runs throughout uh, that comes from the characters, um, which is which is always kind of the best humor in Star Trek is if you can get the humor out of the out of your favorite characters, your beloved characters. Um, I thought right from the bat that it, the, it's like the fifth next generation film. Um, you know, it had very much has a filmic quality to it, uh, which, you know, modern Trek does now, but this felt very much like, oh, we're watching a Star Trek The Next Generation film. Oh, Um, yeah. And, you know, it's I've only had time to watch the one so far, but I'm excited to keep going and see the next five. It is uh, it is quite a season. That's all I can really say. I think I think there the surprises will will hit you and uh, but yeah it's uh, they've done a fine job more with T Rick Jones in a moment 
My conversation with T. Rick Jones continues. I think, you know, if you remember back in the day when they shot The Wrath of Khan and Nimoy said he was done, and the reason that he came back for the movie was, you know, they pitched him a scene, hey, how about if we kill you off? And um, so anyway, they, uh, I think it's the same thing with Patrick Stewart. He, he shot this season and he had so much fun shooting it. And it looks like he is having fun, by the way. Yeah. That's not a spoiler. And he's, uh, he said, he said, yeah, I'd be open now to a fourth season. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the end? You know, with Star Trek, you never know. Right. Who knows? Yeah. He's an Android now, so he can just keep going on forever. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. There's you. There's. Well, I'm not going to say any more about that. But yeah, that there's some there's some cool stuff coming up. This is my biggest complaint about the Star Trek movies, really. Except with the exception of First Contact, is that they look like expanded TV series. Yeah, uh, Insurrection. Cool. Yeah, they went on location and everything, but it looked like you know that something they would have done maybe. Well, probably not because they had to go to the Sierra Nevada mountains and shoot up there. They had to go by helicopter up there, <laughs> which was really wild. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, um, it, it looked too much like the Baku village. It looked like something that was designed for TV. And yeah. uh, and Nemesis, uh, you know, that's why I told Jonathan Frakes. It was like half the movie seems to be Shizan arguing with Picard. And it's kind of like, uh, uh, come on, guys. Yeah, the ending was full out action, um, you know, and I think it's come out that Stuart Baird really didn't understand what he was doing with Star Trek. Yeah. So, uh, so it anyway. has some good set pieces in it. I mean, there's some good yeah. action pieces and some good stuff, but it's not it's I think it's the weakest of the movies. I agree. So, yeah, I mean, Picard, it looks like it's going to be uh, fantastic. I, I guess what would be on next on the calendar after Picard runs its episodes? Uh, let's see. I'm thinking they haven't announced a Strange New Worlds when when Strange New Worlds is coming out next. But I would I would be willing to put my money on Strange New Worlds premiering uh, maybe in May. Um, yeah, which I think is around the time that it premiered last mm-hmm. last year. Um, so I, I would put my money on that being our next, um, our next Star Trek that we get. Um, so this will run 10 weeks. Um, and then I guess maybe there'd be a little break and then, uh, or I guess maybe there wouldn't even have to be, uh, I don't know, math. Um, and, uh, and then I, I would bet Strange New Worlds is next up. Yeah, I would think so. If they follow the pattern of last year, then it would be Strange New Worlds. Probably yeah. um, either Lower Decks or Prodigy. Yeah. And then uh, in the fall, actually, I think Prodigy would probably extend into the fall. Yeah. And then uh, we'd have this break and we start, if they're, depending on how Picard does and what they want to do, we would have Picard starting yeah. again if there's yeah. going to be a season four. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, know, we're forgetting, though, we're forgetting Discovery. Oh, Discovery, of course. Of course. Um, I, that, I just, that might be in the that might be in the fall. That you know? might be in the fall. Yeah. 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 Because I know they that's already shot and that's probably wrapping yeah. up post production. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So yeah. So we we need to add that into our memory banks. Yes. Um, so can't forget Discovery. 
<laughs> right, exactly. My guess is October-ish for Discovery. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. What have you heard? Anything about the new season? Um, no, I talked to Anthony Rapp a, a few weeks ago um, on uh, our podcast, and you know he was very tight-lipped about it. Sure. Um, it's actually funny because I was actually talking to him about his off-Broadway show that's running right now. At yes. Yeah. I saw that last week and it's phenomenal. Oh, great. great. Uh, you can check out my review on Daily Star Trek News. Oh, good. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, that was the main thing. Um, and he had promised me a half hour. So we went to half hour and then I was like, we're right up against it. Do you have time to answer a couple of Star Trek questions? Um, and his face lit up. He That's obviously nice. just loves that game. Yeah. You know, it's a great love. character for him. It really, really yeah. is. It really is. And he couldn't tell me much, um, you know, much more than we already knew, um, obviously. And I tried not to get him to spoil anything. But, uh, but you know, he uh, Stamets and Colbert, um, I think, are going to have an arc. Uh, you know, it's going to be... A, Indiana Jones style adventure for the season. You know, there's um it's it looks really great. What one of the things I like about Discovery is their tone changes every season. There's yes. every season it's something different. Um so if season four wasn't something that you were into, um, and I will admit I didn't love season four, it was fine, but I it wasn't my favorite season. This one looks like it's gonna be really great. I think I'm gonna really enjoy it. So every season's different. So if you didn't like a season, come back and you might like the next, the next season, you know? Yeah, it's a very important show because that was the one that really relaunched Star Trek again and uh, and drew so many subscribers to yeah. uh, to uh, Paramount Plus. So, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would be sometime in the fall uh, yeah. for that to, uh, to premiere. October seems like a good month for that, too. Yeah. yeah. You're you're also a stage manager. I am. So yeah, talk about that. Uh, a lot of people might not know what a stage manager actually does in in theater. Uh, there are some days that I question what I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what what a stage? I've been stage managing since I was fourteen. I'm I'm wow. I'm uh, forty eight now. Wow. So it's a long time. A stage manager basically is the google of of theater uh i have to know what's going on with every department and they'll all come to me i write i sit in rehearsals i take blocking notes i have to stay up to date on what what the director is doing um with with the cast and i also write a daily a daily rehearsal report that it goes out to it doesn't go out to the cast, but it goes out to everybody else involved in the production, so that everybody knows what's going on, so that we can ask questions, um, you know, prop questions, set questions, uh, costume questions, and give ideas. The director says, "Oh, we need a pen knife for this scene," so I put that in the rehearsal report, so that um, under the props heading, so that everybody knows that we need a pen knife, and the props person will get it. Sometimes a note will cross boundaries. So um, we'll, you know, we want a green, this person to wear a green hat uh, that goes under the costumes, but then lighting also needs to know that because lighting needs to know what 
light is going to look good with somebody wearing a green hat or is it a hat with a brim because if it's if it's got like a thing in the front it might cast shadow on the actor's face so then then we might say wear it back just a little bit so the light hits you you know like it's all interconnected we're all a team so uh, i make sure people know what's going on with production then when we get into the theater uh we have what's called technical rehearsal and i run that oh wow and we put all the elements together so far we've been rehearsing in a rehearsal room with tape on the floor that shows the actors where the doors and the walls and things are um now we're on stage and there's the actual wall there's the actual door so we go through all that we write the lighting cues we write the sound cues we write the projection cues if there are projections and then uh we open and the director goes away and it's my job to maintain the show i i call all the cues so i call uh the onstage cues if there's a set move i call um the lighting cues i sometimes often i run the lighting cues um i call the sound cues i call the projection cues uh everything goes through me so that if there's an issue i know where it came from and wow. you know it's hopefully hopefully if there's an issue it's me that's not always the case Sometimes, you know, somebody forgets something or does something wrong, and that's fine. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Put it, put everything that happened in a report, but then also make sure the actors are in their light. And if not, I have to give them a note. Um, or if they're starting to change the direct, what the director intended throughout the performances, I have to maintain what the director left when the director left the show. So, and right now I'm uh, rehearsing um, a, an opera by Benjamin Britten, The Rape of Lucretia. Wow. Um, and we go into tech <laughs> rehearsal next week. Wow. Um, and then open the week after. So it's, it's getting close. Yeah. So what is the timeline? I guess you are involved in pre-production, I guess all the way until the final performance, right? Yeah. I mean, the stage manager is one of the people that uh, possibly the person other than producers and stuff, but the person that's hands on that is there from the first production meeting, which could be, I had a production meeting uh, a couple of days ago. Actually, I guess it was yesterday. How time flies. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a production meeting yesterday for a show that we're not going to rehearsals for until May. So, you know, the stage managers at the first production meeting and at the final um, performance, um, and really is the only person that is there f- for the entire thing, hands-on. Mm-hmm. Um, the stage manager doesn't typically stick around to strike the set, you know, take it all down and and stuff. That's the crew and, and um, you know, the di- designers aren't there for that either. It's basically just the master electrician takes down the lights, the, the um, technical director, uh, takes down the set, you know, and the crew helps with all that. So um, I'm not there for that, but I'm there from basically day one production meeting to closing night. Wow. Do you give yourself a break between productions or do you have to sometimes I, go one to the other? I think it's it's generous to say that I give myself a break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, theater is a notoriously um, un, unsteady profession. So yeah. yeah. It, Often, you know, I have I have been a resident stage manager. Um, uh, and in fact, I'm I'm stage manager at White Heron Theater Company in Nantucket, and oh. basically a resident there. I've done almost all their shows for the past 
six years, but they only run through the summer and then oh, okay. one Christmas show. But I have worked at, um, for instance, Seven Angels Theater and Ivoryton Playhouse, both of which are in Connecticut, for a couple of years each as as a resident stage manager. And then I'm going back to back performances or back to back shows. Often, like when Lucretia closes, I don't have anything lined up for a couple of months. So my March and April are um, completely free. So, um, and then I'm back at it in, uh, in May. Uh, if there are any theater people out there that are looking for a stage manager for the months of March and April this year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Give me a call. <laughs> and really, lastly about this, uh, I would think one of the challenges is understudies and yeah. keeping them up to speed to literally step in. I actually saw a play on Broadway where an a one actor started the role and then couldn't finish it because I, I think he was ill. And then the other person came in and actually did a better job. I won't name the play, but uh, so I guess you know that is one of the many things you have to keep the understudies in the loop, also as to what's going on, what the director wants, and all that. Yeah, I've had that happen too. I had somebody break his ribs uh, halfway oh. through performance, um, and had to put somebody else on. But uh, a, a more germane story, even is last. Last May, I guess it was, um, I was working for Lyric Stage Company of Boston, and we were doing um, The Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, which is a great, yeah. very funny uh, musical. We had understudies, which would be somebody who was playing one role, but was learning a much, you know, one of the lead roles, and then... If somebody if somebody went out, they would have to move up to that role. And then we had what are called swings, which they have to learn every role in the show. Wow. It's the hardest, hardest job in theater is being a swing. I really have a lot of a lot of wow. respect for swings because they have to learn every role in the show and be ready to go on for that person. So we do um, we do understudy rehearsals. You know, we did for lyric. We never stopped rehearsing ever we were supposed to we were supposed to you know do a couple of understudy rehearsals and then they just watch the show and you know keep keep up to date and just keep keep themselves in the loop and then we do if somebody were to go out we do a quick a quick rehearsal before the show just to put them back into it but in the case of uh gentleman's guide we tech week we were less than a week away from opening and our lead got COVID. Oh. Um, and so we were like, well, it's okay. We hadn't even finished writing the light cues yet or doing tech yet. And we were like, it's okay. We'll just put his understudy on. And then the next day his understudy got COVID. <laughs> oh no. So we had to delay opening for 10 days while they, they all got better. They finally did. And we went on, but we never stopped getting COVID. The whole company, with the exception wow. of me, I was the only person that did not get COVID at the oh, time. Oh, good for you. Um, and I, I've since gotten COVID, so uh, <laughs> wow. I did totally. But um, by the time we closed the show, it was a, I think, 11-person cast. Uh, we had six people on, two of whom were understudies and two of whom were swings. Wow. And we had to cut things and rearrange things and uh, give people different lines. And people were playing multiple roles. It was insane. Closing crazy. night was crazy. 
<laughs> I bet it was. Well, as we wrap up here, um, for daily Star Trek news, I want to ask if you if you guys do like a review of an episode, for example, or at least give commentary on the episode after it airs, of course. Sure. We um, we actually go with a different approach. We do a uh, episode preview. Oh, good, good. I like so that. Uh, we we take the log line, um, and of course. You know, I, I get the screeners now for um, for the various shows. I do a an overall review of whatever screeners I have. It looks like it might be six this for Picard. So yeah. I'll do an overall overall review when the embargo is lifted um, and spoiler free. Uh, and then one of my writers this time it'll be David does does a preview of each. He takes the log line and he takes whatever photos Paramount has. Oh has, yeah, yeah. And does and sometimes Paramount doesn't release the photos um, until like the day before the episode. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah, um, but we do our best to do like sort of a a preview. This is what's coming up on the thing. And I have considered doing reviews of episodes, and maybe we will do that at one point. But uh, especially right after I took over, I was like, I think doing a preview and then a review is. Gilding the lily a little. I think it's too. Yeah, much. I I agree. I I think that's it's it's extra work for you guys, and um, I think the preview is just as important because it lets people know what's going on. Right. And uh, of course, you have to tap dance a little bit, not to spoil anything. But yeah. uh, and I'll tell you, this season of Picard, boy, there's a major dancing we're going to have to do <laughs> for a while for sure. Yeah. But uh, it's so worth it. Yeah. All right. Well, T. Rick Jones, thank you so much, managing editor, Daily Star Trek News. It's a great site on Star Trek, and uh, you know they have a podcast as well. I was honored to be on their podcast, and their episode is my, or my episode that I was on is available on their website, which is very nice. So I appreciate you being on with me, uh, returning the favor, and uh, I'd love to have you back again as we get deeper into Picard. And Absolutely. We talk yeah, about things. Come on and talk about that. That would be great. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, fascinating stuff about the stage work too. That's really amazing. That you that that is, boy, that is a tough job. I, you know, there's just no other words for it. It's it's not for everybody. And you either you love if you don't love theater and are doing that job, boy, you're in the wrong place. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. So it's daily. Start uh, DailyStarTrekNews.com is the website, so check it out, and you can wa watch and listen to their podcast there, and of course, download it. So thank you again, and thank you all for listening to Sci-Fi Talk. Thanks, Tony. Visit StarTrekDailyNews.com and sign up for their newsletter and their audio podcast. My audio is already up on their page. That was a lot of fun doing it. That's Trek Tuesday. I'm Tony Tolado.